Hey everybody, welcome to the Ronin Rabbit, a Usagi Ojimbo fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore, and bear in mind there will be spoilers. Now if you want to get in touch with me, you can email me at the usagipodcast at gmail.com. You can leave comments on the website bigtimenoise.com slash Rabbit. I post the episodes on Facebook on both the Usagi Ojimbo Dojo and the Usagi Ojimbo fan pages. And on Twitter, you can get a hold of me at Teal Productions. Now, there may be a little bit of uh, wildlife noise here in the background. I'm sitting outside on my back porch. It's a little early in the morning, so the birds are starting to come out and mark their territories in the bushes and the trees here we have in the backyard. So I enjoy the sound. It doesn't distract me. If it does distract you, I apologize. But we, we are in the situation we are in this morning as I am recording on my back porch. Three stories I want to look at to uh, hopefully make a you know long enough podcast. They're they're all very short stories. I'm going to be looking first at Netsuki, which is a story that appeared in Wizard Magazine number 97 that was published in I believe September 1999. It's about a um, a four page story. So we open up here, and, and I'm getting these out of the Usagi Ojimbo Saga Book 3. All three of these stories are in this trade paperback. The One one of the three stories, I actually have the original, uh, but the other two I don't, so I just decided to pull all three from this book since they're all here together. So we open with Natsuki, uh, the very first panel, which is about a 20% page panel, goes across a full page. And Usagi is saying, good morning, Owaga-san. It's been a long time. You probably don't even remember me. I am Miyamoto Usagi. And then the scene shifts as he continues talking to a battle scene, or actually a, um, a battle camp scene, a group of soldiers here. And Usagi is walking, probably making rounds as he's his lord's bodyguard. He's probably just, you know doing a, a, a walk around, in essence, at the camp after this first day of battle to see, to assess, um, so that he can keep his lord updated on what he personally knows. And he's walking by this one particular soldier who is uh, sitting here cross-legged back up against a tree, and it looks like he's carving, or uh, those of us in the south would call it whittling. And he stops to ask the bodyguard, this is... Um, after the first day of battle at Ashigaru. And he says, uh, excuse me, what are you doing? And we have a Tokagi here that eeps and runs away also. Uh, the soldier tells him, oh, just passing the time by carving a Netsuke. And Usagi asks Netsuke. And the soldier tells him, it's a little ornament carved from wood or bone. I learned it from my father who made them as toggles for bags. And I see, uh, researching it a little bit, that they can also be used as toggles from which you can hang things ornamentally from, like, the sashes of kimonos. Uh, and Usagi says, wow, that's really cool. Can I look at it? And as he's looking at it, he says, it's a tortoise. And the soldier that's carving says, yeah, tortoises are symbols of long life. I carry it as a good luck charm to protect me in battle. I promised my father that I'd continue the family craft, so apparently this is what his family does probably for a living, is carving these netsukis and selling them. Usagi's 
uh, impressed. He says, it's beautiful with amazing detail. You're very talented. What's your name? Ogawa, sir. Well, I hope it helps you. I And then mid-sentence, um, Usagi is, is caught up as people start running around and you see off-panel somebody yells out to arms, to arms, we're under attack. So their, their resting camp uh, apparently has been found by the enemy and they're, they're pressing uh, the attack again. So we have a, a big battle scene here that goes on. And then we cut back to present where Usagi reaches into his sleeve and after um, speaking of his remembrance, he says, it brings, this brings me to the reason for my visit. In the confusion, I never got the chance to return this to you. And we see him in his hand holding the little tortoise uh, trinket. Please forgive the delay. He bows as he lays it on a headstone. And then the final panel is Usagi exiting a rather vast, it looks like, graveyard. And then that's the end of the story. A um, couple words we were we were given here by Mr. Sakai. One is uh, Natsuki itself, which is that small ornamental carving, usually carved of ivory or, or um, bone, that's a little toggle that you can hang things from. Uh, the other word is Ashigaru, which is foot soldier. Um, we ran into that just recently, I think, for the first time a couple episodes ago. And here it is again being repeated. Although, chronologically, this would have occurred before probably the book that I read it in previously that I discussed. These, this, this type of story, this, this quiet, well, I mean, except for the, the battle scene, of course. Uh, but this quiet kind of story is really what has attracted me to... Uh, Mr. Sakai's writings and Usagi and has kept me here. Now, a lot of people, you know, really enjoy the grass cutters, um, stories like that, and, and that's, that's, that's cool. But me, I, I've, I grew up on American superhero comics. So all of the action and high adventure, um, I also grew up reading fantasy novels, Lord of the Rings, uh, Dungeons and Dragons novels, Forgotten Realms, things like that. So all of the, the high-energy stuff that, that I am interested in, I get from those other media, those other properties. Usagi attracted me because of the quieter, more introspective times that the character goes through or, or undergoes or, or even just gets caught up in. And um, that that's that's why I like Usagi is, is because in my personal reading, those are the, the quiet times when I, when I want to throttle down a little bit and, and ease back. Yes, there are, you know, swords and demons and things like that, but there's also these stories about a, a young man that Usagi met, regardless of the situation, and the young man showed him a piece of himself and his family, and for whatever the reason, that stayed with Usagi until a point in the future, you know, where we have the opportunity to see why this particular quiet moment stayed with Usagi. And here we see it's because probably in his wanderings, he wandered near the cemetery that he knew the soldier was buried in. And so in order to honor the man's memory, he brought back this token, this Natsuki, that he had inadvertently kept. It hadn't been given to him. He hadn't meant to keep it, 
But profoundly, I think, through everything Usagi has gone through, he still had it. And he still had it on him. So, um, th those are the kind of things that really draws and attracts me to to Mr. Sakai's creations and, and Usagi in particular. All right, moving on, our next story. Let's see here. It comes from Oni Double Feature number 11, and it is cover dated June 2000. Um, the Natsuki story appears in the Usagi Ojimbo Saga book 3, pages 29 through 31 also. Um, this next story, The Leaping Ninja, appears on page 32 of the saga book three and in it we have this is just a one-page story um usagi is on a porch or or veranda of some sort and a ninja leaps down from the rooftop uh probably in an attempt to get away we see that he is carrying a scroll of some sort in his hand and as he jumps down usagi engages him yelling stop uh, the ninja uses some, you know, physical ninja tumbling and, and gymnastics, and he says, Ha-ha, you stupid fool. Do you think you can defeat one as agile as myself? You know nothing. And that, that's that's my leaping ninja voice, by the way. I am called the leaping ninja. Your sluggish sword strokes are no match for my speed. It's a simple matter for me to get away with the plans for the castle defenses. So now we see what the scroll in his hand are. Uh... Scroll is, yeah, the scroll is a pretty important document there, so Usagi really needs to get that. Uh, the ninja continues, I can easily dodge your blade and make my escape by swimming the moat. Ha ha, goodbye, fool. And then suddenly his face changes, and you see an exclamation in his face, and then he, he plummets the, oh, I don't know, five or six stories, it looks like. So, you know, you're talking at 25, 30, 35 feet here, into a dry moat and of course he squashes at the bottom and Usagi says as he turns away and is sheathing his sword at least I knew that the moat had been drained for cleaning fool and we see the uh, the death's head here denoting that the ninja did uh, indeed squish upon impact at the bottom all right in our third story this is Suru I believe that's how it's pronounced and this is from Dark Horse Extra, issues 20 through 23, which came out from February through May of 2000. And in the saga, uh, volume 3, it is pages 177 through 180. Now, kind of the interesting thing about the Dark Horse Extra is it was a trade advertising uh, ephemera, let's call it. It was not intended to be kept. It was a, a flash to get you interested in something. And then um, I believe they were given out at the time, like some other things of this nature, at comic book stores. Maybe you had to pay a little bit for it, but it wouldn't have been very expensive, I don't believe. I've seen these online, but I've never seen any in person to flip through them. Um, in the in the 2000s, I had kind of drifted away from comic books, so they, they weren't what I was doing at the time. So my knowledge of the practice, I think, is there, but my uh, practical knowledge is not. I, I haven't encountered these things really in the wild too much. But this is uh, 
shown for us in landscape um, aspect. The others are portrait up and down as you hold the book. Uh, but for these pages, you have to turn the book 90 degrees, right? 90, yeah, 90 degrees to read these as they go across. Uh, and you would read them from the bottom of the book towards the top of the book. So you have to turn it, turn the aspect. Four pages. These are in color. Um, as I flip through the book quickly here, I believe these are the only pages in this whole volume that are in color, which you would expect. I'm not expect that they're in color, but expect that they would be the only because very few at this time of Usagi's um, repertoire were being produced in color. As I said, this was in 2000. So, All right, so we open up with Usagi traveling down yet another Japanese country dirt road here, uh, footpath. Uh, he's scaring Tokagis as he goes. They are eeping and scurrying off into the underbrush. Usagi comes upon a inn or a bar, a restaurant, or both, a, a, a wayhouse. And as he enters, he sees another gentleman sitting here folding something, perhaps. And then we get up closer, and the gentleman sets the, the creation of his down on the table, and I recognize it as an origami uh, of some sort, uh, the, the folded paper uh, where you will take a, a blank sheet of paper and fold it into a shape or a, a, an animal of some sort or something like that. And he sets it on the table here. Now, I personally did not recognize the shape, but Usagi does, and he says, T-S-U-R-U, Tsuru? And the gentleman says, yes, I fold these to remember as he pours himself a drink. Of sake, I'm presuming. To remember, Usagi says, all those I've killed. Sip. Takes a drink. Um, he sips, this other gentleman, sips all through, I guess to maintain the casuality, if that's a word, of his, of his demeanor, of his bearing, uh, as he and Usagi are interacting. Uh, particularly poignant, I guess, given here in a page or two, we find out who and what he is and what he's about but he's he's a pretty pretty casual cat right now and i say cat in like dude i don't know that he's a cat um to me it looks like maybe he's more of a dog or something like that i can't really tell but they continue the the crane is a symbol of long life usagi says and the gentleman says yes ironic isn't it sip how many have you killed many more than i can count sip I'm an assassin. That's the end of the first page. Opening the second, Usagi reaches down and, and handles the crane, looking it over. And then the innkeeper pokes her head out and he says, Innkeeper, a meal for one. Certainly, samurai. And then the other samurai sip. Usagi makes his way around him, sitting back in the back of the common room here, grabbing a table, thinking to himself, an assassin. I'd best stay clear of him. And as Usagi is pouring himself some tea, the gentleman approaches and says, Usagi-san, here. And he sets the crane on the table, Abeo, which uh, we see translated as so long as he exits the inn. Usagi sits there for a moment, looks down at the crane, and then picks it up and says, Huh, how did he know my name? All right, next page. Usagi's finished with his meal, and he's exited the inn, continuing his journey down the path here, scaring another Tokagi who eeps off into the underbrush. 
what? He says to uh, he he says out loud, but it's it's more to himself as he looks off in the distance, a little way away. He sees this samurai standing there, and as he gets closer, the samurai says, "I've been waiting for you, Usagi." Usagi says, "What do you want with me?" I'm an agent of Kuroshi, the Assassin's Guild. And Usagi gets the stern look on his face and says, I killed one of your comrades. Do you seek to avenge his death? And we get a mention that this occurred in Usagi Book 10, Brink of Life and Death. Now, this is the original Usagi traits that this references. And no, I did not look that up. Kuroshi kills for pay, not revenge. I was hired by Yamanaka, the seaweed merchant you drove out of business. That story also was in uh, Book 10 of the original Usagi Traits. He is a corrupt man, Usagi says back in the samurai, drawing his sword, says, I do not judge, I just take their money. Draw your sword. And in the next panel, which is the last panel of this page, we see the assassin and Usagi, swords drawn, charging each other. We open the final page. Ha, I expected better of you, Usagi, as we see the to check, to check, to check, as they're parrying each other's sword strokes. Uh, the assassin does seem to be pressing upon Usagi a little bit. You're not as skilled as I was led to believe, Ronin. Uh, as th this this panel is, is really out of place, I think, for all four pages. It's kind of a distant, shaded panel. Uh, I'm not sure why that was chosen to... I'm not sure what we're supposed to take away from that other than just another scene... Um. Yeah, I I don't understand that panel in in the in the sequence of of everything that has occurred in the story so far, really. And then finally, Usagi delivers the felling stroke, and we see that he is cleaning his blade with a piece of rice paper, and he says, "Is that what you expected, assassin?" And as he finishes, he reaches into his tunic and grabs the crane, tosses it on the ground. And the final panel is the assassin dying. We, we see the death's head here as Usagi walks away. But to me, what caught my attention is that the Usagi's last moments, or excuse me, the assassin's last moments were with his eyes open. He, he died with his eyes open so that he could see the crane that Usagi had thrown down here in front of him, uh, almost as if that was the final thing that uh, the dude saw before he died. So in this episode, we have, or in this story, we have the word suru, uh, which is crane. And I guess that's a direct translation. Again, I didn't look that up. Um, and then I uh, thought of the word origami, which is the art, the discipline, the process of the paper folding to go from the plain... Um, unadorned piece of paper to something that resembles something not uh, the way that the paper originated, you know, folding it into the shape of a square or a cube, or in this case, a, a an animal that you can recognize all from one piece of paper. Origami has always fascinated me. Um, I have a, uh, a really good friend of mine who um, I've known since college and has gone on to be a PhD level mathematics professor uh, teaching very high-level mathematics that I don't even understand the words, much less the math. Uh, but he practices, he was drawn to origami because of the mathematicalness of the folding and the shapes and everything like that that attracted, you know, that, that part of his brain. 
uh, and he practices origami, and I think he has even taken that and translated it into a uh, way of demonstrating a particular style of mathematics, and he teaches a mathematics class, or, or has taught in the past, based on origami and paper folding. And so uh, at the end of the class, uh, his students have both learned origami and whatever these you know particular mathematic principles are that he has uh, applied through the use of origami. All very fascinating, all very over my head. Um, I, I feel when, when I'm dealing with Ron, that's his, that's his name, Ron Taylor, um, I, I feel a lot like um, Forrest Gump. You know, I just want to tell him I'm a very simple man. And so, but uh, fascinating. Origami's always interested me. Those are the stories that I wanted to uh, look at this episode. Looks like next episode I have scheduled to read and talk into a microphone about issue 4 of the current volume, uh, issue 12, excuse me, of the current volume, volume 4 of Usagi from IDW. So that's what you have to look forward to, I suppose. Uh, next time out, thanks a lot for hanging with me this morning, guys. I'll talk to you then. Ciao. The Ronin Rabbit Podcast is a Teal production, and as such, is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, non-derivatives, 3.0, unported license.